بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء المرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته سورة الطور سورة النجم سورة القمر سورة الرحمن سورة الواقعة سورة الحديد سورة الطور the surah is named after the mountain in Sinai where Musa spoke to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet would often recite this surah in Maghrib prayer. The surah begins with the descriptions of the people of hellfire and the people of paradise in the hereafter. Verse 21 is reassuring, describing how believing families will be reunited in the hereafter. أَلْحَقْنَا بِهِمْ ذُرِّيَّتَهُمْ وَمَا أَلَتْنَاهُمْ مِنْ عَمَلِهِمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ كُلُّ مْرِئٍ بِمَا كَسَبَ رَهِينٍ And those who believe and whose offspring follow them in faith, to them shall we join their offspring, and we shall not decrease the reward of their deeds in any thing. Every person is a pledge for what uh, he has earned. Now in verse 35 and 36, there are one of the few verses in the Qur'an which deal with atheism. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَمْ خُلِقُ مِنْ غَيْرِ شَيْءٍ أَمْ هُمُ الْخَالِقُونَ أَمْ خَلَقُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ بَلَا يُقِنُونَ Were they created by nothing or were they themselves the creators? Or did they create the heavens and the earth? No, but they have no firm belief. Historically, people have always believed in the existence of God. It's ridiculous to think anything otherwise. It's a self-evident reality. Who created the universe around us in all its complexity? Is it possible something so intricate and profoundly beautiful as the natural world around us came into being without intelligent design? The Big Bang just describes a method by which the universe came into existence. It offers no explanation for the origin or the source. The verse states the obvious through a powerful form of deductive reasoning. It's not possible for nothing to create something. Nothing is quite literally nothing. It has no ability to create. And it's even more ridiculous to believe we are the creators. That leaves only one further option, that there is a, an intelligent design behind the universe. So why is it that nowadays atheism has become so widespread? Atheism is, atheism is born of arrogance and desires. Arrogance from the perspective that you think you don't need Allah when He is your creator and sustainer. And that's particularly true in the modern day world where we think we don't need Allah We don't think we need rain. We don't think we need Allah's help. We're so engrossed in our gadgets in the material world around us that we don't really reflect upon our need for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and desires from the perspective that you don't want a higher being in your life telling you what you can and can't do. Belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is imprinted on your soul. It's part of your fitrah. In Surah Al-A'raf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought forward all the souls that will ever live and said, Alastu bi rabbikum? Am I not your Lord? And all of us me, you, everybody, said Bala, of course you are. So people generally throughout history have always believed in one, uh, in one form or another in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Most of the Qur'an describes associating partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
These are one of, this is one of the few occasions in Surah Tur where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deals with atheism. So before a person actually believes that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not exist, they first have to reject the fitrah, the inner caller within you, crying out for belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Surah An-Najm. Surah An-Najm is a very rhythmic surah with short verses all ending in the alif. The Prophet was once reciting the surah in the vicinity of the Haram and a group of pagan leaders gathered to mock the Prophet They heard Surah An-Najm being recited and they were so swept away in its verses, its power, its rhythm and its eloquence that at the end of the verse where there is a command for a sajda, they all fall, fell down in prostration with the Prophet ﷺ. Except for one man, uh, Umayyah bin Khalaf, he reached down to the ground, he took some soil and he rubbed it in his forehead. Even him, with all his arrogance, felt the need to do something. They, of course, immediately stood up and said, Oh, the Prophet ﷺ bewitched us. But it actually led to a rumor going as far as Abyssinia to the Muslims who had emigrated to Abyssinia that the Quraysh had in fact embraced Islam. You see, the Qur'an is compelling. Its words, its meanings, even the way it sounds when it's recited beautifully, it is unmistakable. Even a person who doesn't know Arabic knows that this recitation is something transcendent, something different. The surah is a categoric declaration of the revelation which the Prophet ﷺ received and describes some of the most intimate moments when the Prophet ﷺ received revelation, both in the beginning of revelation and the miraculous night journey when, and his ascension through the heavens. The surah starts off, وَالنَّجْمِ إِذَا هَوَىٰ مَا ضَلَّ صَاحِبُكُمْ وَمَا غَوَىٰ وَمَا يَنْفِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ إِنْ هُوَىٰ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ يُوحَىٰ عَلَّمَهُ شَدِيدُ الْقُوَىٰ ذُو مِرَّةٍ فَاسْتَوَىٰ وَهُوَ بِالْأُفُقِ الْأَعْلَىٰ ثُمَّ دَنَا فَتَدَلَّىٰ فَكَانَ قَابَ قَوْسَيْنِ أَوْ أَدْنَىٰ فَأَوْحَىٰ إِلَىٰ عَبْدِهِ مَا أَوْحَىٰ مَا كَذَبَ الْفُؤَادُ مَا رَآىٰ By the stars when it goes down. Now one of the scholars of Tafsir mentioned a beautiful point here. Just as the stars light up the night sky, revelation lights up this world and hence it's befitting that a surah which talks about revelation should start off with an oath about the stars your companion has neither gone astray nor has erred nor does he speak of his own desires this is a very important verse nor does he speak of his own desires In it is only a revelation revealed to him the prophet whether he's angry whether he's sad whether he's calm, whether he's angry, whatever he says is based on revelation. He has been taught by one mighty in power, meaning Jibreel alayhi salam, one free from any defect in body and mind. He rose and he became stable, while he was in the highest part of the horizon, describing Jibreel alayhi salam in his original angelic form covering the horizon. Then he approached and came closer and was at a distance of two bow's lengths or even nearer. So Allah revealed to his slave whatever he revealed. The Prophet's heart did not lie about what he saw. The sajda in this surah at the end is the, considered the first revealed surah where a sajda is mentioned. 
Imam Sa'di, commenting on the beauty of sajda itself, prostration, said, It's the most complete form of humility before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, submitting your heart and your body, and putting the most honorable part of your body, namely your head, in the lowest place possible where your feet normally go. Surah Al-Qamar. Along with Surah Qaf, the Prophet ﷺ would recite Surah Al-Qamar in Eid prayer. The people of Mecca asked Allah's Messenger ﷺ to show them a miracle. So he showed them the moon split into two halves, between which they could see the Hiram mountain. This splitting of the moon, which is an actual physical splitting, is described in Surah Al-Qamar uh, as a sign of the approaching hour, as a sign of the Day of Judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, اِقْتَرَبَتِ السَّاعَةُ وَانْشَقَّ الْقَمَرِ The hour has drawn near and the moon has been split. When Allah, The moon is a symbol of the natural universe and cycle around us. It's a cycle which regulates, in fact, our world's seas. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala splits the moon, it's a symbol that he has the power to completely change this natural world around us. Therefore, he has the power to resurrect us and establish the Day of Judgment. There's also a very iconic verse in this surah, which is repeated throughout, surah, uh, verse 17. And we have indeed made the Qur'an easy to remember. Then is there anyone who will remember? There's no piece of literature easier to remember than the Qur'an. This verse is repeated in four um, places. One after the other, after the story of Nuh, story of Ad, story of Thamud, and story of Lut. Allah made its recitation easy, its meaning easy, and its preservation easy. Why? Because it's the sole means of salvation for people, so it needs to be easy. SubhanAllah, try and memorize one piece of literature from any language, any book. But SubhanAllah, the Quran, you'll find people who have memorized hundreds and hundreds of pages. Surah Rahman. This surah is a declaration of the innumerable blessings Allah has conferred on jinn and mankind, both in this world and the hereafter. The surah has a powerful rhythm with short verses, most of which end in alif and nun, uh, which is of course the grammatical construct for the dual. The name of the surah is very much in tune with the central theme, ar-Rahman, which means the most beneficent. Scholars have differed but, uh, uh, with complementary explanations of the difference between Rahman and Rahim. The same name we use when we say Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Ar Rahman is often translated as the most beneficent, and Rahim is often translated as the most merciful. Rahman refers to his that, his essence. How Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in essence himself is the most merciful. Rahim refers to his af'al, his actions. Not only in essence is he the most merciful, but his actions are also most merciful. Another explanation given is that Rahman is the general mercy which envelops the whole of creation. Rahim is the specific mercy received for the believers. Rahman and Allah are the two names Allah is most uniquely known by in creation. And they are two of his most well-known names. The surah has a grandeur about it and invokes a very emotional response as we listen, humbled by the blessings Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed upon us. The first of which and the greatest of which is, of course, the teaching of the Qur'an. Ar-Rahman allama al-Qur'an. Ar-Rahman, the one who taught the Qur'an. 
خلق الإنسان and the one who created human beings. Even before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the blessing of creation, which we assume is the greatest blessing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. He speaks about a greater blessing, which is the teaching of the Qur'an. The iconic verse which is repeated throughout the surah is, So which of the favors of your Lord will you both deny? In this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes in detail the reward for the elite of paradise. Jannatan, two gardens. SubhanAllah, it's good to reflect and give glad tidings about what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prepared in the hereafter for those who believe in Him. Gardens watered by fresh water springs, producing the most delicious fruits which hang close. Whenever a person desires these fruits, they won't even need to stretch or put any effort to get them the branches will automatically lower themselves to you so you can pick the fruits which you desire. You'll be reclining on couches and cushions made with thick silk brocade and you'll be under shade. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, speaks about the descriptions, the higher des- descriptions for the highest people in Jannah, there's a beautiful verse, verse 60, is the reward for good, anything but good. It's a beautiful play on the Arabic word Ihsan. Ihsan means doing good and Ihsan can also mean receiving good. We know from Hadith Jibreel where, the, uh, where Jibreel said to the Prophet ﷺ, tell me about Ihsan. And the Prophet ﷺ described two states, Muraqaba and Mushahada. Being aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as if you can see him. And if you cannot see him, then recognizing that Allah sees you. These are two states. Muraqaba and Mushahada. Muraqaba is being aware that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching you. Mushahada is a higher state. You worship Allah as if you can see him. This is Ihsan. And if you live your life according to this Ihsan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the hereafter shows Ihsan to you with these most profound uh, blessings of paradise. Surah Al-Waqi'ah Surah Al-Waqi'ah paints a vivid picture of the Day of Judgment when it strikes. None will be able to deny it striking when it strikes. إِذَا وَقَعَتِ الْوَاقِعَةِ لَيْسَ لِوَقَعَتِهَا كَاذِبًا when, uh, when the hour strikes, none will be able to deny it striking. Allah SWT describes people as dividing into three categories. فَأَصْحَابُ الْمَيْمَنَةِ مَا أَصْحَابُ الْمَيْمَنَةِ then the companions of the right, what will make you know what the companions of the right are? And the companions of the left, and what are the companions of the left? And the forerunners, the forerunners. These three categories should remind us of uh, one of our earlier lessons in Surah Al-Nisa, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke about the Siddiqun, the foremost to believe. We should always set our height our aims high as possible. We should aim to be from the Sabiqun. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described these Sabiqun. There are many from the earlier generations, but few from the latter generations. Our aims should be to be from the Sabiqun. The Prophet said, when you ask for paradise, ask for Firdaus, the highest level possible. But when you set your expectations high, then you need to put the hard work and sacrifice needed to meet these high expectations. The Sabiqun, they're the most foremost to believe. The ones who show no hesitation 
in doing good deeds, the ones who showed no hesitation in making sacrifices for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They pass every trial that is put in their way and have full conviction in revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Surah Al-Hadid Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins the surah Sabbaha lillahi ma fis samawati wa ma fil Sabbaha lillahi ma fis samawati wal ard wa huwa al-aziz al-hakim Whatever is in the heavens and the earth exalts Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, glorifies Allah and he is the exalted in might, the wise. You'll find a number of surahs in the Quran that begin with the tasbih of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, begin with the glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what's interesting, they begin in different forms. You have uh, the past form, Sabbaha lillahi ma fis samawati wal ard. Then you have the present form, Yusabbihu lillahi ma fis samawati wa ma fil ard. Then you have the imperative form, Sabbihi isma rabbika al a'la. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is emphasizing that in all forms, in all situations, He is glorified, He is praised. Tasbih means to declare Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala free from any imperfection. So it's always accompanied by a complimentary praise. Sabbaha lillahi ma fis samawati wal ard, wa huwa al azizul hakim. And He is the exalted in might, the wise. It's not enough just to declare Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala free from imperfection. You then have to follow it up with some kind of praise, such as when we say, Subhanallahi wa bihamdih, glorified Allah, and may he be praised. Or Subhanallah al-Azim, glorified be Allah, uh, the Almighty. It's very important to reflect on this. As a believer, you are not isolated, you are not in the minority. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala often describes how he is glorified throughout the heavens and the earth. There's not a space equivalent to four fingers in the heaven except there's an angel prostrating, bowing or glorifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you're walking around in the world, you might feel isolated, you might feel you're in the minority, but you're not. Everything in the universe glorifies Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just a few isolated human beings and jinn have chosen against to go to have chosen to go against the natural order of the universe. Verse 3 is a key verse used in the books of Creed. He is the first and the last, the ascendant and the intimate, and he is of all things knowing. Describes opposites of time. Allah is the first and the last. Describes opposites of place. He is the one who is the most ascendant and the most intimate. So he encompasses everything. He encompasses time, he encompasses places. There's a very strong emphasis in this surah in spending in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and striving to make the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the highest. The opening verses have five separate encouragements to spend in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the space of just half a page. There are very famous verses in this surah depicting the hereafter and specifically the point just before the bridge of Sirat. In complete darkness, the believers and the hypocrites will be commanded to cross the bridge of Sirat. In complete darkness, no source of light, and the bridge is as sharp as a sword and as thin as a blade of hair. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will command them to cross the bridge, and the only source of light will be the light which emanates from the believers according to the light of Iman, they had in their hearts in this world. The hypocrites 
will uh, attempt to deceive the believers in this world. But now in the hereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will deceive them. They will think due to their company with the believers that they have deceived Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But at this point, they will have no light and they will fall into the hellfire. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَوْمَ تَرَى الْمُؤْمِنُونَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ يَسْعَى نُورُهُمْ بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَبِأَيْمَانِهِمْ بُشْرَاكُمُ الْيَوْمَ جَنَّاتٌ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارُ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا ذَلِكَ هُوَ الْفَوْزُ الْعَظِيمُ On the day when you see the believing men and believing women, their light proceeding before them and on their right, it will be said, your good, tiding, uh, your good tidings today are of gardens beneath which rivers flow, wherein you will abide eternally. That is what is the great attainment. يَوْمِ يَقُولُ الْمُنَافِقُونَ وَالْمُنَافِقَاتُ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا انظُرُونَا نَقْتَبِسْ مِنْ نُورِكُمْ قِيلَ ارْجِعُوا وَرَاءَكُمْ فَالْتَمِسُوا نُورًا فَضُرِبَ بَيْنَهُمْ بِسُورٍ لَهُ بَابٌ بَاطِنُهُ فِيهِ الرَّحْمَةُ وَظَاهِرُهُ مِنْ قِبْلِهِ الْعَذَابُ On the same day when the hypocrites men and hypocrite women will say to those who believed wait for us that we may acquire some of your light it will be said go back behind you and seek light and a wall will be placed between them with a door, its interior containing mercy, but on the outside of it is torment. يُنَادُونَكُمْ أَلَمْنَكُمْ مَعَكُمْ قَالُوا بَلَا وَلَكِنَّكُمْ فَتَنْتُمْ أَنفُسَكُمْ وَتَرَبَّصْتُمْ وَارْتَبْتُمْ وَغَرَّتْكُمُ الْأَمَانِيُّ حَتَّى جَاءَ أَمْرُ اللَّهِ وَغَرَّكُمْ بِاللَّهِ الْغَرُورِ The hypocrites will call out to the believers, Well, we're not with you. They will say, yes, but you afflicted yourselves and waited for misfortune for us and doubted. And wishful thinking deluded you until there came the command of Allah and the deceiver deceived you concerning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hada wa sallallahu ala nabiyya Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.